Hi, this is Jim, and this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. And welcome everybody to another week of Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Yes, we're here, we're back, we're in the basement. Summer is rolling, and moped rallies are happening. I'm in a conundrum because I feel... I had this weird lull after Baker's and um, that's all I've done is talk about Baker's last month, but you know, it was still pretty rad. And I was just feeling like moped season's over. Like it was just, but it's not, it's not even close to being over. Like we got a whole bunch of stuff happening over the next couple of weeks. There's that ride. Everybody talks, it gets canceled. Um, just the tip is happening this coming weekend. And uh, there's such an itch in me to go to it and i'm i'm flying out for blood drive here in a couple weeks that's right i'm going to blood drive uh i wanted to go to lgn but like just it's the west coast swing i gotta do it um and i got to help somebody get their bike ready for uh just the tip this weekend i I felt i felt i don't know like just a part of and that's always a struggle with me is feeling a part of like i had two people over at my house, I was working on bikes for them, both hobbits, of course, because that's what I do. And um, just, I struggled, struggled, struggled with somebody's front brakes, and then I just, something just dawned on me. And like, I actually had to adjust the mechanical lever on the hobbits, and I had to click it over a couple because he had somebody else build this bike years ago for him, and they changed it for some reason, but like, I didn't like their mechanical cable they had, so I kind of ripped it all off and put the stuff I usually do and with more springs and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I changed that over, got his bike safe, because for me that's a big thing, even though I rolled down Mount Hood with no rear brakes. But that's that's beside the point. I had front discs. It's good. Um, but, no, just enjoying mopeds. Like, some of you guys saw on my... I don't know if I posted on my uh, personal Instagram yet or not. I probably should. Uh, I went water skiing this past weekend, and it was like really kind of a huge thing for me because as a Ute, I water skied all the time. Saw them, all that good stuff. My family, we were lake people growing up. Like I lived on a shitty lake, literally a shitty lake in southern Minnesota. Like all the field runoffs would happen. So like in August, I couldn't go in there more than once a week because my allergies would be so bad. But like, after my accident, I never thought I'd water ski again. Like, it was never even in my mind. And then I actually got up on the second try and was water skiing for a bit. And then, like, I was kind of nervous because I felt like my left leg was going to wash out on me the whole time. But then I was like, got back at the boat. And then uh, it was actually Lee, who I talk about now and again, like him and his wife, Kirsten. Um, they're like, oh, this ski's broken. The fin on, the- I'm like, like so i'm thinking i'm all disabled and don't know how to ski anymore but i'm telling you lean kirsten i gotta get out on that boat again and actually use a water ski that's uh fixed but no dude it was rad i got to kind of blast on people on gravel roads because you know i learned how to ride on gravel roads really good um i'm just excited dude like i'm working my butt off trying to get myself out of debt after bakers because that was just a money losing proposition and like I keep telling people and like maybe my guest when he talks on and maybe some others will chime in too. Um, it wasn't physical, man. Like for me, it was not a physical, like 
pain wise. I was never in pain. I was like, sure. I was a little stiff. I was a little sore, but like, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm a different cat. We all know that. And I'm very blunt with people and my guest will maybe testify to that a little bit, but like pain, what's that? What's that old line? Pain don't hurt. Like Patrick Swayze roadhouse right there, man. Like I, I can shut it out. And like Baker's was still, dude, I'm still feeling that like everything's different now. And like, I try to explain that to people like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. It's just, it's different. And speaking of different, my guest and I met at a different type of rally. Um, one that I had no idea what to expect and what was really a great time for me. Um, we met at the Goatheads about a year ago this time. And him and I, and I, I was super annoyed there for one reason, myself. Um, my bike, I screwed up. I totally screwed up when I was there. Um, I had a 17.5 Polini carb and I didn't change out the air stop and everybody who runs Polini's or the air brake, whatever it is, there's a little jet. Basically I had a huge massive air leak in my bike and I kept getting running warm and then blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I met this person and I knew they were very smart and I knew they were very intuitive into mopeds and they knew what they were talking about. And next thing I know, a year-ish rolls by, and I found out he's going to do Baker's, and I saw his bike, and I know a little bit of his story, but I want him to come on and tell his moped story and tell his um, mistakes and triumphs he had at Baker's this past year. So why don't you introduce yourself, sir? Hey, Jake. Uh, Thanks for the uh, warm introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, introduce myself. Huh? Well, I'm yeah. James Potters. Um, I've been doing mopeds since roughly around 2008. It was one of those things that a friend got me into and I just, uh, you know, originally it was something we wanted to goof off with cause we rode big bikes and, um, then we wanted them to go a little faster and we had to get on moped army and learn how that stuff worked. And, uh, I just sort of fell in love with, the amazing ways that two stroke tuning um, is accomplished. So I tend to geek out on a lot of things. I have a lot of different hobbies and um, in these seasons changed throughout my life. So I can look back at any two year segment and probably say, Oh, well back then I was really into this or, you know, around 2010, I I got into this thing. And so I try something, I pick it up. Um, I really just get too, too involved in it until I've learned everything that I think I can learn or reasonably accomplish. And then um, I tend to get bored and put it away. But, uh, but the ones that are really, you know, solid that really um, just hit that spot in your soul and plug in and stay put. Um, I keep those ones. So, uh, and mopeds has been one of those kind of hobbies, you know, it came in as kind of a possibly a passing interest, but uh, mm-hmm. it has stayed, stayed put because it just keeps delivering year after year. Well, that's the thing about mopeds. Like even, you know, you, you hear some of the old heads talk, well, we were doing this and we were doing that. Maybe you were, maybe you were doing 65, maybe you were doing 70, but like, you know, some of the myths and lore of the old moped heads, I'm the longer I hang around, the more I realize maybe some of it wasn't necessarily the way it really was. Like you always, I'm going to bite my tongue on a lot of this stuff because like, <laughs> I, I know the myth about black, black doing 70, on uh pinball too like there's a reason why they put some of the rules in that they have in bakers um 
we'll just say that. But with you, I can, there's, mopeds are a window that is just, you never can fully open. And that's the thing about like, cause there's always, even though this is a dead technology to cycle, if you will, there's still new innovators always coming around. And like with the bike you built for Bakers this year, I'd like to think you are definitely in, in, in that class of innovators, James. Um, but, and you didn't tell people where you're living and because that is so you, I always jokingly say like, I'm on an Island all to myself here on the East side of St. Paul, dude, you <laughs> are on a friggin' Island all to yourself. Why don't you tell people where you're at? Okay. Wait, yeah. Um, right now I live in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Um, and I've moved around a lot in my life, mostly chasing better employment. And then, uh, around the age of 33, that chase for better employment landed me uh, in the Air Force. And so now as an active duty Air Force member, I get assigned um, every three or four years to a new location. So um, that's where I'm currently assigned. And um, yeah, it's pretty isolated, but it's beautiful down here. And when we were coming down, uh, originally from Ohio. Uh, so when we came back from our last assignment in Germany, um, stopped through Ohio, then road tripped across the country. And uh, when we got to like the Texas, New Mexico border, kind of Northeastern New Mexico, mm -hmm. it's really flat, really boring, not a whole lot going on. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, what am I in for? This is going to be something spending years of my life on this big flat open, nothing. Uh, <laughs> but then we got a little closer to Alamogordo and we have mountain ranges to the East and West. Um, the elevation changes to bring all kinds of different environments. So if it's really hot down here where I live, you know, it's a 10, 15 minute drive up into the mountains and you're surrounded by trees and rivers and lakes and all kinds of stuff. And uh, if you go farther out in the desert, there's stuff to so do too. So James, let me stop you for a second, just cause I sure. am a, ge I'm, I'm a weird geography person. I never know where I'm am going, but I always get to where I need to be. Like mm -hmm. my fixed location now in New Mexico is always going to be Santa Fe. Like, where <laughs> are you relative to Santa Fe? I want to say, I think it's like 250 miles drive, uh, almost due south. Okay. Okay. Uh, really, no, no, really no. close to El Paso, Texas. Right. That. Yeah. I. Sorry. I just won't learn Texas because I because I'm stubborn. Um. So yeah, dude, that's rad. Like, and um. I found out new information, and not to interrupt your story too much, uh, King Kong Bundy, or not King Kong Bundy, but King Kong Brody, a wrestler back in the day who was killed in Puerto Rico, was actually from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Any wrestler will know that information, will love me for that. Anyways, back to your <laughs> back to your great story, my guy. Um, so you're in Ella Mag I'm going to screw up the pronunci pronunciation, um, but... And I gotta, I gotta kind of rewind a bit because I'm all over the place for some reason. Sure, worse sure. than normal. So James here on, here on Second Chance Moped Podcast, we go through people's moped journey. I eat the very first time they ever saw a moped to this middle, you know, smile ride, middle part of the journey. What's it like today? So James, what is your very first memory of ever seeing a moped? Not necessarily getting on, but like you conceptually know that is a moped. Ah. So like I told you at Baker's, uh, the little travel I had for work prior to the race, I listened to lots of podcasts. And so I kind of knew these questions were coming if I ever got on here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to think really, really hard about like, what was the actual first time I remember seeing a moped? And the earliest memory I can pull up is not, maybe not as glorious <laughs> as some Dude, nobody's is that glorious. Like. <laughs> But I was, a, I was a little kid. Um, my parents were divorced when I was younger. So my mom lived in like downtown Dayton, Ohio. 
and maybe not in the nicest of neighborhoods, but I would still like Hold go on, around James. on my bicycle. I don't think Dayton, Ohio, and Nice ever coincide. So don't worry about it, my guy. I mean, there's some <laughs> there's some nice places there. It's a it's a it's a so so town in a lot of ways. But anyways, I'm fucking with you. Um, I wasn't really street smart because I was like you know half country, half city, uh, and I got to this like street corner. There was some older kids, and they were sitting on a moped. And they were like, yeah, check this out. You want to buy it for like $150? And I'm sure if I had gone home and asked my parents for money and come back, they would have just, you know, taken my money and pushed me down and yeah. run off with it. And I can't remember exactly what kind of moped it was, but I do remember like thinking like, that's a weird little motorcycle. You know, like I knew it had an engine, but it just didn't look right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it probably was just, you know, the fact that I knew I'd, I wasn't going to get the money that I'd even try. So I didn't think much <laughs> more about it. But that's the first time I can remember seeing what was definitely a moped okay well, let me ask you this what was the first time you ever remember getting on a moped then so first time riding one was uh the friend from high school who got me into mopeds to begin with brian he had uh, a hand-me-down moped from an older cousin that was kind of like his dirt bike as a kid so he like rode it around the family property and on like trails and things and um, it sat in a barn. We got to be older. He's like, hey, let's get this thing running. Um, it took us a while to get it started. And he's like, let's ride mopeds. So I didn't want to buy a moped outright. I bought one of those like bicycle engine kits that built that thing. Mm-hmm. And he got he got his Maxi Lux uh, running cherry. And so then we went on a ride and I'm like, you know, I could keep up. I could get 30 miles an hour, that little bike. But it was just vibrating so intensely that like, you know, like nerve damage in your tank. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, you know, Hey, this is pretty cool. It goes right. And then he's like, we got to a parking lot. He's like, you want to ride the maxi? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see what this is like. And I got on it and it was just smooth as glass like oh, riding wow, a dude. Cadillac of mopeds, no vibrations in your hand or butt or feet. Well, compared uh, to that, that thing you were riding is, yeah, yeah, I can only imagine like you go from the cement mixer to like a Ferrari <laughs> basically absolutely and you know it pulled a lot faster you know you could feel the power because he put a pipe on it and uh so when it hit the power band and like you get that you know first kick about the you know a two-stroke power band um that was it for me and i was like i gotta get one of these and so i gave the uh, motorized bike to like a little kid i knew because i figured that that's probably the best use for yeah, one of those a, you know a good kid. drug addiction just hand it off to the kid you know no worries you'll <laughs> figure that kid was actually andy from the zeros years later <laughs> i might be old enough but i don't think so <laughs> um but uh but yeah yeah so i got a maxi and then we went to with the town on it and and he was brian's the kind of guy like once he got it running and reliable he's like let's just go out and ride him and uh, i got on it and i started reading everything i got on moped army and like you know reading through the forums and everything and uh i was like oh man my maxi can go that fast like how does this porting work and what year things? was this james like i'm always i'm a year dork I want to say that was probably around 2009 when I started getting really into like boring out my Bing and modifying the slide and porting it out and doing stuff with the pipe and, you know, just, just all the beginner things with the stock pieces. You know, I, I still yeah, didn't yeah. make money back then. I was, I was dead broke most of the time and, and didn't even have that much of an income when I wasn't broke. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a, out of necessity to make it go faster with just a Dremel. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, you could afford a Dremel at least. Yeah, I couldn't even afford that. Was, I'm fucking with you. Well, some but, of those uh, hand-me-downs for my dad, too. So, <laughs> as most right. of our first tool sets are. Pretty much. Um, so you start playing with that stuff. Uh, are you still living in Ohio at this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, are you? 
is you are just you and your buddy rolling around or like what's are you finding a moped scene at all that's kind of what i'm okay. wondering because like yeah, yeah you're this you're this weird anomaly to me right now because like i had no clue even just chit-chatting with you for a little bit in santa fe like i had no clue mm-hmm. how deep you were and how mechanically um smart you are basically I don't know if I'd say that, but uh, oh no, no, no! Don't worry, you you are just because you like to ride your moped on bike trails. Um, so in Ohio, <laughs> where I grew up was in central Ohio, but then you know, adult life was in southern Ohio, kind of like out in the boonies, uh, like real hillbilly country, and mm-hmm. there wasn't any moped clubs close. Plus, when you live in that area, you sort of have a really small worldview. And to me, like driving four hours to something, it was like, oh my gosh, that's like a once in a lifetime trip to go four hours mm-hmm. away. Um, my, my horizons got opened a lot once I joined the military and got out of, you know, and I traveled some as a kid and done thing. I'm not, I'm not making it sound like I was a total, um, you know, hermit, but, uh, but yeah, back then, like the idea of going somewhere was like really inaccessible for some reason. And, yeah. and so we didn't get involved with other groups. We rode together some. And uh, we did like motorcycle touring and camping, but like as far as long distances on mopeds, uh, big country roads was 55 miles an hour. We weren't gonna like take mopeds to a rally or anything crazy like that either. Right. And no, dude, I totally get what you said. Like going four or five hours to anything, it's just once a year, once every couple of <laughs> years. Like I yeah. grew, I grew up in that kind of mentality with a lot of people, and like I'm not saying that's a bad life. It's just not the life I chose to live. Um, so you start you're not doing much in that so like where's this gap then like fill fill that in for me like you talk about like having this max and your buddy you guys rolled around to like santa fe like i know you've had a lifetime (laughs) in between like you're such a unique cat in this whole moped world like paint the picture for me okay so uh in between that um i had the maxi i rode it for a while um buddy found an old xk magnum um he's like hey it's 100 bucks and i'm like if you pick it up for me I'll, I'll reimburse you so he brings it over i had the magnum sitting around uh when it was time to join the military and move um i just basket cased it like took everything off that was junk put everything else in boxes and it it moved to mississippi with me and then it moved to germany and finally once i was there and i had some like you know disposable income i was like i need to start building this thing and uh just started throwing that thing together and uh, I really couldn't ride it there because there was no way to legally get it on the road. So I had the BMW motorcycle. That was my two-wheeler for the, the duration of that time. And I, I would oh, go on so little tuning rides illegally. That BMW you had in Santa Fe you actually had with you over in Germany? Yeah. Well, I or, bought it there. But, well, uh, okay. right, Dude, that's rad. Yep, yep. But um, so, yeah, the Magnum, It because I couldn't really ride it, I just wrenched on it. And, you know, when you have years of time, you know you're not going to be able to put it on the road. You can just really take your time, you know, putting every little piece on it just the way you want. There was no no rush on any of it. Um, so I did my little tuning runs, got it all put together, brought it over here, got it uh, on the road. And uh, that was kind of like the test bed for the, the engine that I ran in Baker's. Mm. So that engine's been running in that Magnum for a while. I've run it for down the mountains here. And I kind of knew everything was pretty good to go on it, which it was. I mean, the engine ran great for all the bakers. It was just my wheel spokes that blew up, but I will <laughs> we'll get, get, get ahead. I don't we'll get, get into that, my guy. <laughs> um, so, like, you come back stateside. Uh, obviously, I know a little bit about you, and we'll paint the picture a little bit, but like, you got, you obviously met a wife 
maybe at some point family trying to do all that oh. and trying to balance like i'm trying to blend a little bit and try not Sorry, to i guess i could give more. some of my family background too I, I, i'm um, trying i'm trying not to step into details i'm not supposed to people that's all we'll say no no it's that's that's great that's probably my bad for not even uh thinking about that first when i was introducing myself but i'm not used to being interviewed so you know rookie yeah. mistakes anyways <laughs> hey, uh, dude, I met, I met i'm, I'm, I'm a rookie school. podcaster don't worry about it <laughs> We were we were band geeks together in high school. Nice. Uh, I, I played trumpet. She played marimba. And like when we would line up on the marching field, I would just stand there and stare at her sometimes. <laughs> That's and awesome. And so we dude. started we started chit chatting like you know band camp like they stopped the whole band and they're working on one area over here and yeah. they're like you know you're just stuck. So we talk and whatever and then eventually that turned into a relationship and then got married, had three kids. And we're still still doing it, still happy. Yeah, and she knows you have mopeds, right? You know she. Yes, are, my okay, mopeds okay. are like they're they're a very clear cut allowance for uh, for for me to uh, you know do all the things that I need to do for fun, and it's kind of like the only activity I really socialize in because, I mean, I sort of I say like when I got into the Air Force and like the sort of nerdy career field I'm in with working on electronics that I met my herd, yeah. um, and and I hadn't gone to any moped rallies yet because like I said before I felt like they were inaccessible. When I was coming back from Germany, I found out there was a rally in Santa Fe, and I was like. I'm going to make it somehow. Like mm-hmm. I literally had to like get to my new house, settle in and go beg the moving company to let my, let me get my motorcycle out so I could have something to ride up there. And like within days I got it registered, got it, got the customs paperwork done on it. And then, and then wrote it to the, to the rally. Cause I was like, I, I finally got to meet some of these people, you know, like I've talked to them online. Moped army is great, but um, it's not anything near the same as once you finally get to like hang out in, in, in real life with these people. And, uh, Life-changing, man. Really life-changing. Oh, dude, that's so rad. So you were freshy, fresh. How long have you been back in country at this point? Um, I mean, at that point, it was probably like two or three weeks. Oh, wow, dude. Like, And like I said, like I was in a really weird spot in my life, so like I was just whatever. But, dude, that's really freaking rad. <laughs> like, I'm sorry I didn't reach out to you a little better, but, you know, whatever, dude. It's worked no, no, out it was... the way I was meant to. It was we fine had good, I'm not... we had good chicken dude we went to that one place that we couldn't find forever and what <laughs> and my phone mount life of shitty phone mounts um <sighs> yeah yeah uh so you went to santa fe and that that was a really i i can't stress how rad that place is and like um the whole goatheads group out there is just super nice super accommodating mm-hmm. people um so that's a huge jump dude from like going to a rally a camping rally to baker's dozen like how did you (laughs) how does that like there's people who've been moped 20 years won't even touch bakers like how do you make that jump well okay so when i was riding mopeds in ohio um it was on country roads and so every moped i've ever built or tuned was designed for like wide open throttle nonstop on long runs like mm-hmm. i used to ride my moped to work it was like 45 minutes there because it was kind of like losing elevation for the most of the trip and then it was like an hour and 15 minutes home because i was gaining elevation um and, th- and it was wide open throttle the whole way so like every t- every time i built anything it's like always been can it run wide open throttle the entire duration you know i don't like racing from stoplight to stoplight or whatever it's just going on these like touring rides and so the idea of Baker's is like, if there's one thing I understand about mopeds, it's not how to make them fast. I couldn't tune the clutch to save my life if I had to like, you know, do a, a drag race. 
But if I just need to like run it at a good temperature with a really sustainable, you know, operating condition, I can, I can figure that one out. <laughs> and so, so like that part, I was pretty confident on, like I was more lo- worried about getting lost or, or and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? And you have a very different way and it's probably from being in the military. Um, how do you read your temperature? Uh, I mean, it's a thermocouple. Um, no, no, no but you, plug, you but... don't read it in Fahrenheit is what I'm saying. You're a Celsius guy. Oh, well, I didn't do that on purpose. That's just because the, 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 I didn't want to buy the, um, who's it? trail tech makes the, the temp gauge that most people yep. use. Yep. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive than buying the actual like thermometer on Amazon. That's $8. And the thermocouple I think is $8 and you just kind of like make them work together. <laughs> and so I, I made the cheapest possible thing. And it just so happened that the one I got was in, in Celsius. So I had to like do all the conversions. And now I know pretty much what those temperature conversions are. Cause like every time I'd run really hot one day, I'd like get on my phone and be like, wait, what, what's the Oh shit. See, I, you're just doing this cause you were cheap. I thought you were doing it cause it was your military, like talking Celsius. No, I'm oh, extraordinarily dude, cheap. I am extraordinarily <laughs> cheap. Um, that dude, that's so rad. <laughs> so what did, why don't you, okay. It's so rad, dude. Like one rally bakers um what what made you decide to do bakers james okay so when i was stuck in germany and i wasn't able to participate in rallies um you know my whole moped life was just being probably overly involved on moped army Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't think most people in the moped community are on there like you know posting every day or reading the forums every day but that was kind of like you know that was the only connection i had to the states and to like you know what i would consider a social group yeah. especially during COVID, you know, and, and I think actually that's why I got back on there was because during the COVID lockdown, um, I really didn't even have like coworkers or friends to see. So mm-hmm. I got on Moped Army a lot. And uh, so I saw the Baker's Dozen came up. They had the thing where you could watch on Glimpse. And we were actually on like a, a bus tour vacation in like the Alps. And everyone else is like looking <laughs> out the windows. And I'm like staring <laughs> at my phone like, oh, God, like I lost my cell signal. I'm like, honey, hot spot me because I want to see like, you know, <laughs> who's doing it. And the little triangles are just barely going. But I was so excited. And I was like, as soon as I can, I have to do this. And so I got back. Um, I started to put the bike together. And I was like, I think I can make this this year. And then I really couldn't like responsibly and financially. I could not do the race this year. But I just jammed it through, and um, sounds like I think the rest by, of us. <laughs> yeah, I think by next paycheck, like two weeks from now, I get paid again, and I will finally be caught up on all the bills that I didn't pay in order to do the race. Uh, and that's gonna be a that's gonna be a nice feeling because then I'll feel like the race is finally done. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not over until you've healed from it. I don't think, and uh, my hand is not numb anymore, um, and and my bills are caught up. So like then then I can say like okay, we can close the book on on the twenty twenty two Baker's dozen. Let's go through your bike and how you, you had, and we'll post, they'll probably be like your cover for the episode. Like, tell me, how did you come up with that design? What inspired it? Like, and how'd you build it? Uh, that was entirely divine intervention from the, the Norse gods because there's some mischief involved and also some goodwill to it. But um, I had, I had, had this huge piece of stove pipe that I was going to build this giant like frame tank and like customize uh, all of it to, to be uh, what looked like a step through, but with like a six gallon capacity. And I went to like a scrap yard North of town here uh, to get some, you know, pieces of steel to, to do all my motor mounts and mm-hmm. uh, the place was closed. And I was like, ah, oh, bummer. So I turn around, this is new year's Eve. I turn around and come back down main street. And there's this uh, little old uh, motorcycle shop called Liberty cycles. 
Um, and their open sign was on the open sign was never on. Like it was just this little tiny hole in the wall and, uh, the open sign was on. So I, I reel in there cause I've never gone yet. I've been here for like yeah. you know, seven, eight months and I've been to this place yet. Um, reel in there and I'm looking around, this guy's got like all these old bikes in the front, like lots of parts. He's just a cool dude. And he's like, yeah, I'm actually closing for business. Like tomorrow I'll be done. Um, he's like, so anything you want, like get it now. And I'm like looking around and there's like gas tanks and there's, uh, windshields and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, hey, um, that, that windshield would be good. I could make a fairing for it. Like, How much you want for it? And he's like, uh, I don't know, $10. And I'm like, oh, wow. He's really wanting to get rid of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, what it's, about that? it's like, price to move. It's not that. Yeah. I'm closing business $75 for a $10 yeah. windshield. Yeah, yeah. So like um, he's got that Kawasaki gas tank. And I'm like, How much? He's like, $25. I'm like, I'll take Jeez. it. I'm like, yeah. okay. Like, I'm like, now I'm like, I'm, I'm hooked, right? I'm like, show me, show me what you got around here. So he's like walking yeah. me around. We go out back into like, you know, the little motorcycle graveyard and there's frames with forks and all kinds of stuff. And I'm, I see a little Honda CM 200 frame and I'm like, that's basically moped size frame with a swing arm and forks mm-hmm. on it. Like that's so much less work for me to do. Plus it had like, you know, the, the rims were shot, but the hubs were good. I had, you know, big uh, hub brakes or drum brakes. And um, I was like, how much? And he's like, uh, $35. I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm getting out of here. I think I spent 70 bucks and I had all the parts to build that bike. And, and I had planned so much, <laughs> had not planned that bike at all. It's just what he had and what I got that day. And so I came home with a totally new, like revised plan of how I'm going to put it together. I you know, mocked up some stuff, stuff, some pieces of wood on there and kind of looked at it. And I was like, I like this. This is going to be great. Cause how many gallon tank did that Kawasaki turn out to be? It, it ended up, it would hold comfortably four and a half gallons and if i really wanted to like top it off i could probably get like you know a little under five gallons okay but i never had a day where i really needed that much capacity because you know my bike was pretty slow with a small carb so it wasn't uh it wasn't sucking fuel like some of the fast guys mm-hmm. but uh well dude you had your days don't worry about it um so you start working on this bike uh what was your final engine built like do you feel comfortable throwing your- i some people are like oh i'm not telling my specs but like, what oh, was no, your... I don't have any secrets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in um, fact, I mean, like the motor I built was what most people would probably consider just a really solid daily driver. So the 72 CC aerosol port piston port uh, kit, um, not ported at all, just shimmed up about a millimeter uh, case matched E50. And uh, I had the 17.5 millimeter PHBG carb. Um, nothing fancy on that either. Yeah, carb just does a good. I I run that on my daily, uh, seventeen five, Polini. But I mean, those are good sipping carbs, especially for yeah, a yeah. variated bike. They'll just sip and it mm-hmm. actually for a Hobbit, it actually gets me halfway decent gas mileage. I mean, it's not a E fifty gas mileage, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's a good sipping carb. Um, yeah. So like I should say too that the, the real, the real golden thread that held that bike together as far as performance go was Adam's recommendation to run that uh, apartment kit CDI box. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my treats, you know, version two CDI blew something up and I didn't have ignition. So um, I thought, well, heck I'll give it a try. Did the modification to the stator plate to get that, that CDI box on there. And it, it just so happened that with whatever port timing I landed on with, with the esterols, you know, stock header length, that pipe, and that CDI box, it's like it would run super, super smooth once it got up to top speed, you know, because it retarded the timing. Temps mm-hmm. would stay nice and low, um, just whisper quiet, super, no, no vibrations, whatever. Great bike. If I was coming on those mountains, basically, you'd slow down a little bit and you'd get like, you know, back, back into a little bit more advanced timing. You start to come off the pipe 
And normally you'd be like, you know, just falling right down to like a crawl, but it would advance even more and it would pull even though I was off the pipe. So tall gearing on, on a single speed, but that, that ignition really just made miracles happen with that gearing and, and going up and down mountains. Um, I don't think it would have happened without it. Like if I had static timing on that same build, some of those mountains I would have stopped to re-gear or pushed it or who knows what. And I probably would have been like running really, really high temps uh, if I'd tried to, you know, make it happen anyway. Well, I know you had a bunch of, so we'll talk about getting to Baker's for you. I remember seeing on the glimp or the Mars kind of switched everybody over to a little more user-friendly, I'll say, uh, group chat, I forget, uh, Discord. Discord. And um, what, you had an issue like a day or two before <laughs> Baker's. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and, and I, it's uh, it's an embarrassing story, I guess, what it ultimately came down to, but it was another one of those. It's mopeds, like, dude. There's no yeah, embarrassing yeah. stories. I blew up three kits like, because I didn't have something set on my carb right, so don't feel bad. Like, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the sort of you know mischievous fates that, that worked to, to break everything on my moped that could be broken before I left, except for the spokes. Um, <laughs> it was, was really working in action there. So um, I went, I talked about something. I think this is actually Adam's advice too. I was coming down mountains and I was. No, which Adam are you talking about? The, the one from Boston. Yeah. Rigsby. Rigsby. Yeah, yeah. So such I a nice down guy. Mountains. Love you, Adam. Yes. Yes. Good. Uh, good tuner too. Yeah. But um, coming down mountains, uh, I was soft seizing and I was like, man, I need to get more oil to this thing somehow when I'm trying to like slow down and your throttles closed and like blipping the throttle just wasn't getting it. So uh, somebody on Moped Army had suggested, hey, just hit your kill switch and open a throttle and that'll get more, you know, cold fuel and oil in there and you won't stick. And I thought, oh, that's, mm. that's a neat idea. So I was mm-hmm. doing a little test run, got it up to speed, hit the kill switch to see what happened and backfired, made all kinds of horrible noise. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like what I want to do going down a mountain. But mm. on the turnaround coming home, it's only, only a few blocks away on the turnaround to come home, started to lose power. Things got really crappy, um, parked the bike. That was it for the day. The next day I went out, I had wouldn't start no spark couldn't figure out what's going on uh tested everything pulled the stator out and uh went over with a multimeter multimeter i say multimeter as a joke (laughs) (laughs) so for everyone doesn't know me multimeter is a thing anyway um i had like really really bad continuity through the uh, ignition coil on the uh, on the stator and i could see like a spot where it got burnt and so i thought that was a problem so um this was like a day before I really wanted to do some more test runs, maybe even do some like long runs to get like my mileage figured out. And I didn't even have a running bike. So um, I was asking a bunch of questions at a discord. Chad was helping me out like crazy. Uh, Meshes treats, treats like overnighted me a couple of uh, new ignition coils, put it on there. Still didn't have spark. And I was like, Oh my God, like how did I misdiagnosis? What is really wrong with this bike? And I'd taken everything off. I'd completely disconnected the kill switch because I, I didn't want to have any chance of it maybe being like a broken kill switch and yeah. grabbing out. Um, but the bike, it, it's on a really crappy side stand and it had fallen over the night before. And I kind of just brushed that off as a, you know, not related incident. And um, I, I guess when it fell over somewhere in the frame, the, the ground wire f- going to the kill switch must have contacted something. So even though the kill switch was off and totally taken apart, um, I was still grounding out the spark. So I, I just cut the wire right off the, uh, right off the CDI box. It fired right up. And I was like, ah, what an idiot. Dude, but, uh, at least simple. it ran. Don't no. <laughs> I I've done, I've had similar stuff like that happen to me, James. I had like where I couldn't get a bike to, it would run 
And as soon as I hit the throttle, it just die on me. And like, what the hell? I mean, I changed, <laughs> I would, I changed everything, dude. I changed, um, ignitions. I changed coil. I changed high tension coils. I'm going through everything. Uh, I've been checking squish. I, I mean, everything mechanical, it was the plug wire from the height, mm-hmm. from the coil. It, there was mm-hmm. a break in, there was a break in there enough where it would have continuity to go through to start the motor. But as soon as the voltage would rev up, it'd arc out and onto the bike. It was just like, so yeah, there's no stupid things. It's just mopeds and it's not embarrassing. Don't ever feel bad about that stuff. Um, do you want to talk about your chase team a little bit? Couple friends or yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably another fun story. Um, so Steve and Kasia, they, um, Steve was a friend of mine that I met in middle school. Um, he had, I think just recently moved to the area around like sixth grade. And, uh, so we became close friends and like the, I think we could both agree that like, I think we both felt like that group that we had from like, you know, sixth grade to ninth grade, where you like really socialized and like, you kind of like the person that I am today, I feel has a lot to do with who I became at that time of my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of the, the ways I relate to the world, the kind of music I like, the way I dress, like a lot of that stuff happened at that time. So we sort of came out of that same nucleus, um, of a social environment, but then around eighth grade and no ninth grade, he moved to Oklahoma and I moved to Southern Ohio, kind of like, you know, past split ways. And that's back in 1999. So there weren't like kids with cell phones and social yeah. media and whatnot. Like we would have literally had to have been like pen pals or something with like yeah, letters yeah. and stamps. Nobody's doing so, that shit, especially like <laughs> boys in 10th grade. No. Yeah. No. So, so we lost touch. Um, I didn't, I was reluctant to really do social media, at least not with any sort of uh, strong intentions. <laughs> and then around 2020, um, I was getting ready to go on my first deployment. I, I made a Facebook page, you know, started friending some people and I was like, Hey, I'll start looking some people up, you know? And I just started thinking about people from my past that I really got along with well. And, uh, I found him. And so like, you know, I was in the middle of Africa and, and just chatting with him at night, you know, kind of catching up. And, and I was like, wow, this guy's still amazing. You know, it's <laughs> like, we're gone for so long, but like, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you kind of come from the same roots, so to speak, like you, you really kind of um, you can, you can, you feel like, you feel like we never really left each other. Right. Yeah. So he and I got along really well. Uh, we were still friends on Facebook and then, you know, when I decided to do Baker's, um, I had my van. Um, I think I pitched it to the goat heads first. I was like, Hey, does anybody up there want to like be on a team or, or drive? And they're like, we don't know if we have anybody's going to do it. Um, and so when, when I didn't get like a positive, you know, response right away from them, I just like, well, heck I'll throw it on Facebook. So I threw it on Facebook. Like, does anybody want uh, a free vacation across the country, you know, road trip, we're going to Portland. Uh, I, it's my van. I'll pay for the gas. Well, like, you know, you just got, uh, you just got to drive the van and follow me going really, really slow. And um, <laughs> w- within like minutes, I think uh, he was like, we might be interested. And I was like, really? And uh, you know, they had gone, I guess on their honeymoon trip up to seaside in Oregon, and they'd done similar, you know, the same sort of road trip cross country. And, and they're like, wow, this is an awesome opportunity. We can like recreate that. It'll be a fun time. Um, I think Little they were really did intrigued. They know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were really intrigued by the moped race, but you know, and I tried to be as honest as I could. I was like, I might break down on the first day. We're not going to go very fast. You know, there might be days where I could break down multiple times and have to like rebuild stuff on the side of the road. And you know, if you're cool with that and they're like, yeah, no, that sounds like a really neat experience. And, um, 
And, and I think they loved it and they were an amazing team. And there were so many days where like at the end of the day, I was like, this is just incredible to me that you could take people that you've, you've barely really talked to that much in decades um, that they're not really even like into moped. Steve rides bikes and like, you know, they both are really smart people. So they know things about life, you know, how to get along they do camping, whatever. Um, but to, to just throw a team together, you know, and to work well together. Um, it was really impressive. And, uh, and they're, they talked that they want to do it again next year. So dude, that's awesome. I love to tell both of them. I, we didn't get to chat much, but they're really nice people really liked them. Um, yeah, dude, like he side note, it seems like you two probably played dungeon dragons together. Did you at all? <laughs> you know, um, I really dragons, but I might be like a little on the spectrum and, uh, and where I come from, I have like no imagination. Okay. So, so like, <laughs> no, I, the, see, that's weird because the way you built your bike and the way you go, I know you're very, we'll say mathematical as in precise yeah. and you figure the calculate, you figure stuff out, but like the way you put your bike together, like, I think you have a little more imagination than what well, you think, James. I like to think that I'm creative. Yeah. Um, and there's and I imagination can be, I can be and creativity, creative, but like, as far as like being able to do pretend play, like okay. even as a kid, like if I watched other kids, like, you know, playing with like action figures, like, psh, yeah. psh, you know, I was like, that's so weird. Why are you doing that? Stop being, <laughs> stop being weird. You know, it's like awkward. I'm like embarrassed for you. Why you, why you act like that? So like, Dude, that was so if you're kid. weird, you're <laughs> in the mopeds, you're, you're perfect. James, you fit. Don't worry about it, my guy. Um, so talk about like you're going up to North Platte. You know what? P.S. I found out who else, somebody else knew about North, like one of my, um, a buddy of mine knew I've never heard of North Platte, Nebraska. Now there's so many weird ties with people in my life in North Platte, Nebraska, like Colby, my chase driver, his mom, uh, she was in North Platte station there. She's a traveling nurse. Um, mm-hmm. a guy at my coffee shop, his mom just went to North Platte. So everybody's moms going to North Platte, Nebraska for some reason. Um, I never knew anything about the place before bakers yep um first night in rapid city um i did know a little bit about that one but uh, on the trip up there we did get to see my first tornado ever and that was (laughs) kind of like you know a team building experience as well because i was i was driving the van and and kasha was sitting in like the the third row you know single seat that we had to make room for you know an extra passenger and we're driving into the storm and like all of our phones are just blowing up with like the emergency alerts and you can't really see what's up ahead because of the wall of rain and uh, like lightning was going off. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love I really want to see a tornado. I'll be the storm chase. It's so much fun. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and like die. I was all going to get into it. <laughs> and, and she was in the back, you know, kind of being that we're new acquaintances, sort of. And yeah. I don't really know you that well. So she was like being really cool about it. She's like, I don't I don't think I feel very comfortable. And I like, you know, I'm sensitive enough or at least I've been trained by my wife to be sensitive enough to these <laughs> sort of things that I was like, when she says that, what she means is turn this damn thing around and get out of here. Like we are not going into that storm to find a tornado. Yeah. And so, you know, and she did it very politely and I responded, I think hopefully uh, appropriately. I was like, <laughs> okay, let's just stop here and, and see if the storm goes by. And like, I kept getting closer and like the alerts and like, we're looking at radars and we're like, no, 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 we got to turn around. So uh, we bugged out, we moved back and moved back. Eventually we ran away, but while we were running away, we went right past like where the tornado was coming out of the cloud oh, and we Jesus. got to like see it form. And like we drove by it and we got up this overpass and those storm chasers were up there and they're like, did you see the tornado? And we're like, yeah, we saw it. And they're like, oh my God, that's awesome. And then we like just sat back over there and watched the rest of the storm go by and took a bunch of 
pictures and video. But um, I was like, man, we haven't got to the race yet. And I'm already Dude, having I a lot didn't of fun. know any of this. This is so awesome. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how was the Super 8 for, or Motel 6? What was it in North Platte? Motel 6, I feel like. Uh, yeah, Motel how? 6. We got there. Okay, because of the storm delay, we got there really late. And, like, the check-in process didn't go so smooth. And then, like, the first room they gave us, I think, was Jordan's room. And so, and like, and they, they keyed the key card for that room. Mm-hmm. So like we go to the room and open the door and then they're, like, he's there and he's like, Jordan's like, Oh, I'm sorry. It's not your room. I'm like, well, they gave us this room. I'm like, we're really sorry to bother you. But like, I'd never met him. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, he, he's, just, <laughs> he's just like, you know, sorry folks. Like we're here to <laughs> can't come in. Yeah. And um, so did you see his moped downstairs. in there? And like, <laughs> well, obviously you're moped people. Yeah. No, I mean, well, they were like sleeping. Like it looked like oh, I probably we'd like got them out of bed, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we got in there and, um, it was just, you know, it was pretty late. So I think we went right straight to sleep and then got up the next morning and, and, uh, I was super excited to put my bike together and ride it for the first time. Cause I wasn't really even sure it was going to work. And it did break down like a block away from the hotel. I think, did you see me? Somebody, somebody with our group passed by and said they saw me broke down uh no i didn't because i didn't show up dude till like three in the morning like we did not get into late and colby was not a happy boy with me especially when i made him um turn around because i left my spare wheels that were mounted up and ready to go i remember you saying about that and i'm just like colby we got to do it and he (laughs) was a trooper and he did not want to but no i got to thinking about it later on i should have done so I had borrowed neighbor Pat my car because he was working on his vehicle. He had to do brakes, and I'm just like, just take my Volkswagen to work. I should have mm-hmm. called neighbor Pat up and have him drive those down to us 40 minutes, but whatever. We, uh, we're okay, you know? Life's, life's gotcha. okay, and we know better for next time. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, like, morning of, morning of the race, you know, mm-hmm. I still have not really put much more than, like, a couple of around the block trips on my bike. Like it's brand had new. You, just had built. you tested the motor at all? Really yeah. The, the motor, okay. the motor had like 300 miles on it in the Magnum. Um, okay. but as far as the, the race moped, um, had, yeah, very new. So, um, and I guess I must've thought it was a great idea to throw a fresh spark plug in before I left home. And I didn't tighten like the little, you know, boot nipple thing that goes on a threaded part of the spark plug. Okay. And so put the bike together, gassed up, uh, tore off out of there, jetting was great it was running good you know going down the road and then turned around and it started like misfiring and acting crazy and since i had all those ignition problems i thought oh yeah oh man heart sank yeah i thought i'd fried the cdi box i was like i probably did something stupid to it and like yeah it's it's running but it's not gonna run right and then it it lost power wouldn't start back up and i was getting ready to like push it back to the hotel from like the gas station and um i was getting ready to call steve and cash let him know that you know i'd broke down and I looked down and I saw my spark plug wire just dangling with the nipple mm. still in the boot. And I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. So <laughs> popped it back on there, just, you know, put it on finger tight. That was enough to get across the street back to the hotel. And then I took it off and like crimped it with the pliers and, and threaded it back on. So I was like, it's not coming off now. But, um, but yeah, I was just like, I mean, how many problems could I possibly run into? And I was feeling like I was so anxious. I couldn't eat. Um, oh, yeah. Because you know, first time doing a race like this, first time with a big event and like, you know, I didn't want my name to be the guy who like brought a fancy looking bike that doesn't run. And that was like the biggest worry because I, I built the thing. It looks pretty. It's a, it's a pretty moped. Normally, mopeds it's a pretty. pretty. It's pretty unique and it's really yeah. rad. 
and so like you know i thought like everyone's gonna be like yeah you you made it look really nice you didn't bother to make it work you dumbass so, um <laughs> i was i was really really wanting to avoid that it's like i need to at least have one day that it runs if it breaks down after one day like you're like okay well i'm a newbie right so like i don't know how to yeah. make a moped race cross country but like i didn't want to break down before the race even started and then after that it was like it couldn't be stopped. Like it, that was the last problem, the, the last little hurdle to jump in all the bugs to get worked out. And then, you know, the, the, the wheel spoke thing, I'm not even going to worry about because that was new territory. Most yep. people don't try to build their own wheels. And so I don't, I don't judge myself too hard for that other than being dumb enough to try it. Well, um, not having spares. Yeah. And not having spares, but you know, once again, I was on a shoestring budget. Like I didn't even know if I'd have enough money for gas to make it home. So uh, <laughs> buying extras of anything, I think Daryl yeah. even said like at the end at, at the race in Portland, Daryl came up to me with a big smile. Cause Daryl always has a big smile and yeah. he's like, dude, did, did you even have another cylinder? And it wasn't like, are you so poor? You couldn't afford a cylinder and you did this anyway. It was kind of like, it was a little bit of that and like a little bit of like, were you so confident that that thing was going to run that you didn't need one? But yeah. either way I took it, I was like, oh man, I love you. I was like, yeah, I had one. I had like the, the, the regular 70cc aerosol, but I, I, it had never been broken. It hasn't run. Like I really didn't plan on using it. Like it yeah. was kind of like either this one's going to make it or or that's it. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's some pure confidence in your builds there, especially <laughs> like the mountain climbs. But we'll get into... We'll, we'll just get into the days for you, man. So we leave North Platte. Um, you had a very long day. I remember that because you are a smart yeah. man, and you had a bunch of plans. That um, <laughs> Why don't you talk about your day uh, leaving North Platte, James? Uh, so I don't want to get too far backed up on this, but like I had that trip to Australia, and I was there for like weeks. And I thought, man, I'll come home in the evenings when I'm not working. I'm all by myself, and I'm just going to sit on my laptop, and I'm going to Google map every street on the whole race i'm like i'm like gonna look at the street view and i'm just gonna like virtual ride it and make sure that there's no surprises and then uh we all got covid we were locked down in these crappy places that had no internet i couldn't like really do google maps with my cell plan and uh so i was like okay that didn't work out and then when i got home i was like trying to build the bike and i didn't do it and like the, the night before i left to go get my team I like at least Google map the first day, you know, I was like, okay. at least make sure that the very first day I'll know where I'm going. And I'd use the, the bicycle route thing. Cause I thought well, that's the shortest route. And I'd like zoomed in from like the satellite view, but I didn't go to the street view. Cause you know, I was trying to like work efficiently. And um, I didn't notice that all those roads that I picked were like gravel roads on a bunch of like ranch land. And so they looked <laughs> like roads from above, like, you know, whatever satellite view zoomed in halfway is, but um but in reality, they were, they were like washboarded gravel roads up and down hills, and they just beat that bike to death mercilessly. And I had like night or no 1840 gearing on an E50. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, top speed gearing going 25 miles an hour. And I thought, not only am I gonna beat this bike to death and everything's gonna rattle off, you know, the engine mounts are gonna break, um, probably gonna like, you know, break spokes. And then um I thought I'd probably burn out the clutch too, like you know, going so slow all the time. So <laughs> I had, it was a real, it was a real bummer and uh, it took forever. I think we did like a hundred miles of that stuff before we finally got back to real roads. And uh, I knew I'd messed up, but like, I didn't know how bad I'd messed up until I got, you know, up to the house. And it was like, I think it was like nine and a half hour day. Oh, total. dude, you, you had a long day, my guy. Like, cause yeah. I had, I had kind of a long day just with tuning, never really riding altitude, anything like that. And like, 
I think I came in fifth or sixth that day. Like, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you had a heck of a long day. Um, <laughs> I learned, I learned a good lesson though. And I will never, ever, ever try to use the bicycle route uh, again on a mobile well, race. The bicycle route is good for finding elevation. Colby mm-hmm. did that, but then he never switched off. And that's what kind of screwed him up leaving Yellowstone. Because oh, he never went out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Colby, I love you, dude. I would have done the same thing. Um, <laughs> so how was your bike climbing the hill to Jenny Ray's house? And like people say it was up a mountain. Dude, it was up a hill. Okay. Like Jenny Ray's has a beautiful house, but like that's not a mountain, in my opinion. Like it wasn't it wasn't living. like sorry. It wasn't yeah. a mountain elevation change, but yeah. it was way steeper of a grade than any mountain we actually drove up. Like was I don't it? know. It's hard to really tell when you're only going a short distance at slow speed because, like, when you're going up a real mountain, it's like six to ten percent, right? But yeah. like, I could pull those, but there was also a stop sign like right at the bottom of the hill, and and my bike doesn't get into its power band until like thirty miles an hour, and I didn't have yeah. enough time to get up to thirty. So, um, yeah, it was just purring along, <laughs> and it slowed down, and then eventually I was like, I'm not going to blow up my clutch just trying to get the last hundred yards. So I hopped off and was like. You know, I was revving the throttle to help the bike push itself some, and I was uh-huh. pushing it and just running alongside. And there was, was like neighbors in their yard, like you know, just sitting out there enjoying the nice weather, and they're like clapping and yeah, yeah, good job. And I'm like, oh, I feel like such an idiot. Like, but um, the weather I mean, wasn't that nice. It was cloudy when you came in, James. They were just well, I, that's probably nice for them. I don't know how the weather is in Rapid City all the time. It was probably warm, you know, summertime. But um. But yeah, at that point, I, I was so so beaten up. I mean, I've gone on long motorcycle rides. Um, I've never done nine and a half hours in one day, especially not on something that lightweight that's really beating you up. So yeah, and you know, especially with the, to the end. route you took, dude, you took the <laughs> hardest route possible, and like, good for you for sticking with it. Um, it was beautiful though. Yeah. Well, it was so hot on the reservation. That's all I really remember. It's just how hot it was, like. <laughs> God, that was hot. Um, leaving Generates, like, and I and I'd been listening to some uh, old Moped Monday podcasts, and mm-hmm. like people talking about like uh, the Black Hills and stuff like that. Dude, I'm sorry, I don't like the roads in the Black Hills anymore because like going by, <laughs> we didn't go by the faces, as a lot, a lot of people call it around there, but like Mount Rushmore, but like. Did you have the whole kind of terrifying feeling leaving Jenny Ray's place that your rear tire was flat because of all the grooves in the road? I know where the, I don't remember where it was, but I do remember like on one of those days, it was like miles and miles of that grooved pavement. And it's just the whole time your bike was just squirming around like crazy. It felt like you had a uh, flat rear tire. And there was like, you know, going up and down some hills and curves on the highway. And you're just, mm-hmm. you know, you're going full speed because you're in a race, right? So you're not going to yeah. like back off. But I was like, there was times where I'm like, is it worth dying for? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, kind of, I think, I think we all kind of felt that once or twice. It, that was yeah. once we got, once we got onto flat ground up there and kind of once we passed uh, Crazy Horse, um, I, I kind of halfway know that area because I've been out there a half dozen times in my life. But like, there's Crazy Horse Monument in the making. It's, you know, pretty cool thing that they're trying to do. Uh, but it's been going on for like 30 years. And once we got kind of in the plains, it was better. But like, um, how did you do that day? The second day going into Gillette? 
Oh, I did great that day. In fact, um, that was, it was probably one of my faster days. And then in probably the, like the last 10 or 15 miles, I caught up to Chad. And okay. so, um, I was like in a real race to get to the finish line with Chad coming into the, uh, the best Western. And, uh, I was laying down on my tank the whole day because my bike would run. If I was sitting up on my moped, it will mm-hmm. run 45 on flat ground. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's its top speed with me sitting up into the wind. If, if I laid down on the tank and got well behind that windshield as best I could, it would go up to like 47, 48, unless I had like a little bit of a decline on the road, in which case if it pushed me a little faster, I could kind of maintain 50. Yeah. Um, I think the top speed I ever hit as far as my chase team could tell was like 52 and I never turned on an app to tell my GPS speed. So I really don't know how fast that bike could go. But anyways, so assume that I'm going 47 and Chad's up ahead of me and I could barely tell that I'm closing distance. But after a while, I'm like, no, no, I'm definitely closing in on him. Like I'm getting closer. So then I'm like, my knees are sucked in. My feet are mm. as close on the pegs, you know, like everything you can do to optimize that moped. And he would sit up and look back to see me. And every time he'd sit up to loot, he'd lose a little bit of speed. Right. And mm-hmm. so he'd check and I'd, I could tell I'm gaining a little bit more. He'd check. And I'd gain a little more. And then um, eventually I caught up to him or just drafting him. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I'm actually catching up somebody. And I had no idea where I was at in the race. I, I didn't know like, you know, what place wise it was. It's yeah. just, I, I, I finally saw another moped because the first day I didn't <laughs> see anything. You know, I was just lost the whole day. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, just to see somebody and be riding with them was great. We got to a traffic light. And then um, when it turned green, obviously he pulled away from me pretty fast. But then, you know, I was catching up to him, catching up to him, catching up to him. And uh, we got to the last traffic light right there by the intersection at the hotel. And the way it's supposed to work is you're supposed to turn left into that intersection and go around behind the hotel and come to the parking lot. Or you could go straight and cut across traffic where you're not supposed to through the gas station and then get into the parking lot. Which and we all I, did, except for the yeah, rule follower, James. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not 100% a rule follower, but I guess I just don't <laughs> think about that sort of thing. Like, I'm not quick on my feet and being like, oh, look at that. That's an opportunity. I should take it. Yeah. I, I, got, I got better by the end of the race, believe me. But, oh, we all did. But, Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> we, all got, we all got a lot more daring. <laughs> yeah. But but at that moment, he went straight. And I was like, where is he going? And I turned left, like, you know, duh. And uh, and so he got to the parking lot a little bit before me, but like, you know, like one minute behind him. And he was third place. So, like, I was almost tied for third place. And that might have been, like, my best finish of the day. Unless the very last day, I think I also had, like, the third place time or fourth place time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, but, we'll get into but, the last yeah. day. But I just want to let everybody know, this was one of our tightest days. Because, like, between Jordan, before Jordan started having his issues, and, like, team meet coming in, it was 45 minutes between the top eight teams. And then, like, never DNF had a pretty rough day and like but so at that point uh so you did come in fourth technically uh chad burke got third that day with three hours and 32 minutes and you got three hours and 33 minutes that day so yeah dude like you were rocking and rolling like and like uh see you soon was just nipping at you like a few minutes like three hours and 42 minutes and then cold trailer came in like three three hours and 48 minutes i was like three hours and 53 minutes um so yeah dude it was a very 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 tight day um mm-hmm. so leaving gillette uh how was that day for you uh that was where we went into running into red lodge which was a very challenging day for everybody on bakers even 
uh, urban decay. Like that was the day we, you already had your gravel road riding practice <laughs> from the first day, but like, um, going into Wyoming, Montana and all that stuff. Uh, how was, how was that day for you? Like climbing, what was that mountain pass? Like I thought it was, I've been, call, I'm probably Ooh. been calling it the wrong thing the whole time, but I heard something like it was, uh, the great horn mountain pass, or I don't know what it's called anymore. I don't I don't think I ever like took the time to look back and find out exactly what that was. I just know it was uh it was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was beautiful. Like yeah. but how was that climbing that with that E50? Like you got you, know, you you did it, didn't you? Or did is that the day when did you realize you were it, having issues is my question. That, that morning, I think I was just going over the bike. Like I had like a little note list for every, you know, pre-ride kind of like a check to you know torque everything down one more time and uh i was putting lube on my chain which is probably not necessary but i was just doing it anyway because i'm like hey you're in a moped race why not throw a little extra on everything oh probably didn't Um, hurt nothing yeah and and since i built my wheels myself i thought i should probably you know check these spokes and as i'm going around like one was really loose and i went to turn it just a little bit and it just broke right off at the hub and i was like oh no that's bad yeah and uh so check the rest of them um i snugged up the ones that were loose there was probably like two or three more that were loose but the one broke and i thought okay that's that's not good that's not a good sign because it's like you know the start of day two and i broke a spoke already because i did 300 plus miles on gravel roads um so left out of there was running pretty good, keeping up with the with the pack. I, I could feel that the wheel was like a little out of round. Like it felt out of balance. I could just feel the back end kind of like, boop, 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 like hopping a little, um, but not enough for me to be too scared. So I just kept running with it and um, went over that mountain with the wheel messed up, came mm-hmm. into the, uh, the camp with the wheel messed up, finally went to check the wheel and uh, started tightening up all the spokes that were loose again at the end of that day and four more broke. And oh. I thought, okay, there's no, and they were like all on the same side in a row. So I was like, there's no way this wheel is going to hold together. At least, no. Was that that day? At the end, at the end of the day? Yeah, because I remember you were, you were telling me in the morning, possibly, like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or that night, yeah. even. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, how was climbing, to... like, how was climbing, though, for you on that? Because, like, I'm just kidding. I was never around an E50 as they climbed any of the mount. I saw you climbing the last day, but that was a good hill. But, like. How did your bike yeah. do climbing those? Those were fucking so huge mountains, that was, dude. That was like the, the the magic of that CDI box and the Estoril pipe was just that they they played so well together. Like I was either on the pipe and and backed off on timing or coming off the pipe and getting advanced timing. So it would never really slow down much more than like 35 or 40. And like up the hills, I would just stay tucked in, lay down on it and, and never back off even for the corners. Because like if you lost too much speed, and you, you fell too far out of your power band, like it was going to be the end of it. So as long as I kept rolling, it kept pulling. And I think at one point I passed Chad, like going up the mountain. And oh, then wow. I think he had like, I think he had an issue and he slowed down and like pulled over and, and fixed whatever he had going on. And then I don't know how long he was down for. I th- later in the, the race, he told me like what he had to do. It wasn't just that he like, you know, pulled over to rejet or regear or something like that. Like he, he did work like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe longer of work. And then at some point going up the mountain, he passed me going up the mountain. And I was like, how did you do that? Like variation you know, brother. He, That's how he did yeah, it. Really. Variation. I mean, like there's like, there's like little tuning things that, you know, optimize, like, okay, I rejetted, I did this, I, whatever, but I didn't think that somebody would like, you know, have so much more speed out of like a little tune up job that they would literally like blow by a guy up the mountain who had like a head start on him. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean the the E fifty does okay. It's one of those things where I like it for its simplicity because it doesn't break much. There's not a whole lot that can break, and I just mm-hmm. tolerate the fact that it doesn't do all the fun things that variated bikes do. Because I guess in my mind, I'm I'm too simple of a person, so all those complicated things that can go wrong like stress me out. I get anxious, and I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather have something that's a little slower going uphill that I can manage in my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, maybe someday that'll change for me. Maybe I'll get enough uh, ride time in on mopeds and then uh, I'll get out there and try some variated stuff. But right now it's just too much for me. Hey, you're a smart guy. You'll figure out. I know you will. So you guys, um, what is your plan at this point? You rode to uh, Red Lodge, which was just beautiful. All of that was mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, what was your plan? Like you, you, you thought you're a smart person. You're a smart person is like, no, my life is not worth five more spokes in death or whatever. <laughs> so like, what, what was it? What were you thinking at this point? So what was I trying to do? There was something that Daryl had that we were looking for. Like he thought he might've had something and we were going to try to pull it off. Making the, I don't know if it was a spare spoke or who knows what. And that didn't come through. And then, and then Jordan was like digging all through his van to see if we could like get a different wheel and like, you know, make some shims and, and get, get it on the back, uh, swing arm, which, uh, it's not a good idea to go to a moped race with something that's so custom that it doesn't have enough moped parts on it. So like my rear swing arm and, and hub was from the Honda CM 200. Um, that meant that nobody had anything that could help me out. And that, at, that was like the first time I really felt like, you know, I'd done a shitty thing and go into this moped race with like something that had a moped engine, but mostly motorcycle parts on it. Cause I thought like, Hey, this is a great build. But then I realized I literally have made put painted myself into a corner with this special bike. That's so great, mm-hmm. but it is like no, no, no help from your friends. And that's kind of like the point of Baker's is like as a community, if someone needs a part, like you can get them apart, but I didn't have anything that anybody could help me with. So anyways, um, there was nothing that anybody could do to help me. And that was all my fault. Um, and so it was just put the bike in the van, go to the next point. Uh, while we were driving out, um, I called around everywhere and I got those spokes from uh, common motors. And, um, mm-hmm. I called them back and said, Hey, I need another set. And can you send it like overnight somewhere? And they're like, yeah. And so then I was calling around everywhere on the next day. And that was the day we were going into like Yellowstone. And I didn't think I'd be able to get like overnight mail delivery into Yellowstone. And I couldn't find a garage nearby. And so Arco, Idaho was, the, it was two days, you know, well, three days, I guess, in because we spent the night in Yellowstone. Um, but that's the thing about it. Like, see, this is, um, and I'll just want to pause you like that. Sure. I want, and I want to point out to everybody who's listening to this. It's a race, but it's more of a community thing. And you, I identify with you in some aspects, like you're, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, James, but like you're still kind of new to everybody there. Mm-hmm. And like you if we could have talked to you more or known you more or like made you realize like you could have just overnighted it in the Jackson hole, Wyoming. Yeah. And like that was just it was such a confusing time because like, dude, a lot of us just were reacting to everything and not like mm-hmm. reaching out to make sure everybody was okay. Cause you probably could have got something overnighted into Jackson hole. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, or- I was also, I was also trying to get it overnighted into like a motorcycle garage that would have a truing stand or something. Cause I thought I need to have the right tools to do this. And maybe like, there'd be like a mechanic there. I'd be like, Hey, 
Like, I know you guys don't want to do this for free, but can you look over my shoulder and tell me if I'm doing this like the way you would do it? Cause I've never built the wheel before. And this mm-hmm. one I tried, it broke. Um, so I kind of wanted to like, have like maybe the access to it. Cause the place I called, they're like, yeah, well, we're backed up for months. Like we really can't take your job. And I was like, well, can I just use your tools and I'll do the work. And they're like, well, yeah, sure. We'll help you out. Um, had I known that like Mars knew how to like build wheels and stuff and we could have probably done it in camp. Um, but that, you know, it's just ignorance and, and not, not knowing these people yet. So it, well, it nobody, been, and that was the bad know. thing about it. Other than the Boston click and I say click and it's not a bad thing. Like they are a rad bunch of people and I love them all. And there's nothing I want to do for those guys. Like, like everybody, I tell people this all the time, especially from Baker, like at post bakers, like, everybody gelled together real well because like i've had like in you with your experiences in life like you go as a group of somebody and sometimes you always have that one or two people like dude quit being a bummer or like this <laughs> there was maybe i was a bummer i don't know but like it didn't feel like there was a single bummer on the whole group like everybody's like we're getting through this together and like when people with dnf are like have to load up for days at a time every at least I felt it a little bit like everyone's like, oh, dude, that sucks. Like, yeah. let's, what can we do to get you going again? That's what I felt like, especially with Daryl. Like, I was kind of bummed out he wasn't going to ride anymore. Like, dude, why? Okay. But yeah, well, it's, it's very much, it, it's supposed to be a race on the road, like how you ride your bike on the road for time. It wasn't a race to beat people like in the pits. Like, it's not like, oh, mm-hmm. I mean, there is some to that. Like there is, if you build a really good bike, then, you know, whatever. But like, I wanted to ride against everybody and I wanted people to ride against me and see who, you know, had the best ride, not who like didn't have a manufacturing defect, you know, blow up a piston ring or something like that. And, you know, all that kind of stuff is like, not really what it's about to me. And maybe somebody is out there thinking like, oh, that's all wrong. Like, you know, you should build it perfect and buy all the best parts and and make sure your stuff doesn't break. And then if everyone else, you know, blows up because they bought the cheap stuff, then haha, I won, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel that from anybody. I don't think there's any kind of attitude like that. Like everybody out there was really doing it for the ride and and to race people on the ride, not, not, you know, like withhold parts or information or anything like that. Well, I got a needle bearing from Mars. Like uh, the last <laughs> night, I'm like, dude, I'll put it in. But do you guys have a needle bearing? Mars, like, oh yeah, here you go. And like, because <laughs> we were, ugh, dude, you missed you missed a rent sesh of all rent seshes in the back parking lot of the America's Best Hotel or whatever the hell it was. And pe- I'll get going on my grape about that town later on. Um, so you, where where did you end up? getting everything shipped in at then okay so you remember pickles place the yes, atomic the cafe pi- in arco idaho yeah the bar that is called pickles and then where it's known for frying pickles but they couldn't fry pickles, pickles. <laughs> they, they had pickles yeah. they didn't have any fried pickles but they had yep. a fryer and they had pickles but they couldn't put oh, god damn yeah. that still so like me. about about two blocks down from Pickles Place, there was the Honda Honda dealership and garage, um, and they they received my spokes and I uh, showed up. They just handed me my package. They had a truing stand in the back, and there's a guy you know working on a working on a bike and let me use one of the other stands. And I just took my wheel apart and put it back together. And um, I tightened the nipples a lot tighter than I had before, hoping that that would be the end of that story of breaking stuff. Uh, got it all back together. And then you actually helped me once we got to the campground, 
um, I was still struggling getting that tire on there. And I really didn't want to pop that tube because I only had one spare tube. Um, and I, was, I always put my wheels on by hand, like even the, the gazelles and city pros, uh, I heat them up and, and then just slowly fight them on. And I was trying so hard to just fight it on, on that picnic table. And you're like, nah, come on, use the spoons. And I'm like, I, I don't want to use the spoons. Was I, I that nice about it? And, Cause I just remember just fucking uh, use the spoon. Like I, I'm pretty sure sh- like when I'm tired, I can get pretty dr- and you're military. So like you can handle it and you probably have a thicker skin <laughs> than some people, but like. I come from a very direct family and when they see you're doing something that's like not the optimum way to do it, they'll be just like, just and do it this way. And like, that's the way I felt like I treated you there. This is one of my like um, favorite and luckiest personal attributes is I'm one of those people who just really sees the world through rose colored glasses. I love everybody I meet. Um, almost no one could do any wrong to me. And even if they do like give it a couple hours and and come back and talk to me and I'll just forget it. Like I have the memory (laughs) of a goldfish, especially for like emotional things like that. So like someone can literally like rip me off, like do me dirty. And then like, if they're, if they're there the next day and they're being friendly, I'll be like, I love this guy. So dude, that's such a, no, really good on you, James, for having that personality trait. That's really, I didn't didn't work on that though. Like, it's not like I progressed intentionally to be that way. I'm just, just like that. And, um, it's, it's probably a curse sometimes because like when I go to buy a used car, I'm like, this guy's great. He's such (laughs) a swell dude. And then I get ripped off like crazy. Um, you fly, you fly me to New Mexico. Bought. I'll deal with car dealers with you. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I won't put up with shit for you, James. <laughs> now I just don't buy them. I just, my <laughs> wife's like, we should get this. And I'm like, all right, all right. Anything wrong with it. It's on you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we changed that wheel. I remember that. I remember my back hurting that whole time. It's like, all right. James. Oh, yeah. Cause you, you I were helping. Yeah. You were helping. Well, shit. There we Here we go. No, he, Jim was an asshole. No. Cause you said, and kind of helped me out at Yellowstone and I was like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, all right, but we'll get, I remember you getting that tire on no pinch flats, which is always, mm-hmm. you know, there's one in every four tires and tubes. I swear to God, but like, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I do them all by hand because you'll never <laughs> pinch it doing it by hand, but wow, you've got to, like some of them, it's it's a 20-minute process. You just push and wait, push mm-hmm. and wait, push and wait, and you creep up, and eventually it gets to that spot where it finally gets a little easier, and you're like, oh, man, it's going to happen. Like I, It's like, I don't know, I've had three kids and watched my wife give birth to them, and I think it's like the same thing, like that sort of relief. No, right? not it's at all. This over. is way, <laughs> way easier. Changing a tire on a, on a rim is way easier than giving birth. I will no, fall okay. back. Or- I'm, not, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the same i'm just saying it's like as a man it might be the only analogous thing that i could think of of that sort of like i'm almost done with this and it's about to be over with the painful part you know <laughs> that was baker's for me <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah i he... forgot like getting the tire on was actually the easier part re re putting the the axle through with all the weird spacers and junk while holding that bike in the air and that's a 150 pound bike it's not a light moped so no uh you were you were really holding up a, a lot of its ass while I was trying to get that thing through there and it wasn't cooperating. Yeah, yeah, dude. But that we actually Colby on our Colby on our way home, we actually drove by all of that again. Um ah. that was just the route we happened to take. And like we tried to go to Pickles because I'm secretly jealous <laughs> of everybody who bought a shirt there. I just didn't think to buy one. Um oh, yeah. So Oops. eh, whatever. Um, and they were close. We went 
<sighs> we actually went through there on the Fourth of July, so which was kind of unique. But um, Pickles so Place you... best chicken wings I've ever had. I, really? I told Mars that before they headed out. I, I ordered the wings there because they didn't have fried pickles, mm-hmm. and um, I've never had fried chicken wings that great anywhere I've ever been. So if anybody finds themselves in Arco, Idaho, and you go to Pickles Place, uh, ask about fried pickles because they might have them, and yeah. also get the chicken wings. So um, you should do some – if you're a person who likes to read up on weird history facts and stuff like that, you should definitely read up on <laughs> Idaho Falls and uh, um, U.S. Army's um, exploration into nuclear power because – that do you remember re- seeing all the signs for like nuclear hazardous oh, yeah. material? That was when the <laughs> army fucked up. Like, there's a whole thing. My boss actually knew to, knew about it because I told him we went through Idaho Falls. He goes, "Oh, that's where the army tried to play nuclear and they fucked up terribly bad and like killed about four or five uh, military guys." And like, it was it's pretty interesting. But like, um, that was when we started seeing all the radiation stuff because the army screwed up. Um, so, wow. uh, but you got going, did you get to ride after that then? Or once we got yeah. out of Idaho, our, yeah. Arco? So we, when we left the craters of the moon, I was back on wheels again and with the group, um, that part of the trip's a little fuzzy to me right now. It has been like, you know, a month. So I'm trying to remember what that day was. There like. was nothing worth of memory, dude. That was a fucking, it was, it was just a boring like I thought going into article was boring, like on a moped. Yeah. Like I just remember being bored, but like <laughs> I kind of remember that town. I blew, I stuck a kit that day and being yeah. very, no, like realized that I was very lucky because we actually got uh, a historical marker, like pull off site. You know how there'd be like random ones out in the middle of nowhere. And like, there'd yeah. just be that plaque in like a wide spot on the either left side or right side of the road. Well, I actually got one of the pull-off deals to change a kid on. So I got really lucky there. But, um, yeah, it was a boring day, dude. Like, there was nothing that great about it. Yeah. I think there might have been, like, some leapfrogging with uh, Jordan and myself that day. If it's the day I'm thinking of. Because, like, obviously he tore off going really fast. And then something happened and so i like passed him and tom was on the side of the road and i'm like waving like hey check it out kept kept going and then you know i stopped because i think i might have been like you know temps were either going wonky or or maybe it doesn't matter anyway i pulled over and uh and then he was up running again so he passed me and then i think like that may have repeated again but i don't know if it was the same day like you said it was one of those days in there was really dull and it was just like riding into a headwind. I think I told uh, Maitland at the end of the race, I was like, it would have been like way cooler to do this race from Portland to Nebraska as far as the rider's point of view goes, because then we would have had a tailwind the whole time and mm-hmm. it would have just pushed us along so much faster because the way we went, I just felt like we were going into like a 50 mile an hour headwind almost all day, every day. And, um, oh yeah, that was another shitty headwind day. I remember. I I just remember going into Arco was like the worst headwind day, and this one was mm-hmm. another not good one. And I think this is the one day where um one of uh, them from uh Sia Soon's sister was on the side of the road where they wanted everybody to take a. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It was. I'm pretty well. I want to say you're get... definitely right about that, but. 
Um, I, I also really, since I was out of the race, basically, as far as like, you know, not competitive, just, I was just running for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped and smelled all the roses. So like, if we saw a cool thing on the side row, we'd pull over, take a break, you know, shake out my hands, uh, eat a sandwich. And then like, you know, for that, I got to pull over and say hi. And, um, I couldn't shotgun the beer because mm-hmm. I was riding and, uh, <laughs> Steve, Steve took that bullet for us and did a pretty good job with it. But I've still to this day, never shotgun the beer, which I think a lot of people find really odd. Cause if Dude, you know you're me, not missing much. Yeah. It was Bridget's sister. This was the day that, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I just, I felt bad cause I couldn't figure out, I was paging through stuff to figure out. Yeah. This was the day. Cause I was always wondering what day that was since, uh, cowboy brought it up. Um, so, and that's, that's when we got into black sands resort. Yep. And that was actually really close to, um, there's an air force base over there. And I managed to get Steven cash a room at the uh, hotel on base. So like I was running back and forth, relaying them. I got to take a hot shower that that night. And, uh, I I remember everybody was like, did some laundry. Everybody everybody was like, so how about that hot shower and James, (laughs) James and, uh, best James kind of way. No, that's, that was basically, but, uh, Jack and Jesse from two smokes. Like it was always rad when mopeders would from clubs would show up. I know Jack from, uh, Goatheads, he showed up um at the la at the red lodge him and yep. uh his buddy james i think it was james anyways um they showed up there and jack and jesse they showed up to uh black sands um but yeah that was that was actually a really cool night just hanging out i mean i know it was really fun hanging out with everybody in yellowstone but like mm-hmm. for some reason that night hanging out in black sands was one of my favorite nights for some reason, even though I was a little crabby, a little tired, but that was just a good hangout night. It was a, it was a beautiful night too. The weather was nice, a little breeze. I think, did they have a fire going? I think we did. And Am then I we had like, a, no, we had a fire going and then. I no. know I brought a bottle. I brought a bottle and a bag of like Sour Patch Kids. And so like I was heavily using that bottle and the Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> And I slept on like a deflated air mattress in my tent. And I'm pretty sure I put pitched my tent on uneven ground. So like my sleeping bag kept like falling off of it in the night, but like, I couldn't like, you know how it is when you're really tired and you just don't want to like fix things. So you just deal with it. We didn't have a fire, dude. We just had uh lanterns going and it was just okay. Good. And like some people had some just good music that you could ignore and have co- and like not bad. It wasn't bad music, but like you could kind yeah. of ignore it and have, um, good conversation with folks um in the church the trees there were really rad like it was just a good night um waking up in the morning we all kind of were you at breakfast or not i don't remember no so the 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 luxury of the night before and clean laundry in the shower i paid for dearly that morning because i had to drive you know back into town to pick up steven kasha you know get them from the hotel and and then find gas and then make it back um and i didn't really do any of the prep work on my bike and i was putting gas in it and everyone's lining up and um i literally like threw the rest of the stuff in the van i think there was something i meant to tighten down and i didn't and then i was running to start because i had a push start moped so mm-hmm. I was like running to get up to the start line and, you know, they waved you guys off and I like was pulling in the starter clutch and jumping on. And like, I literally like fired the bike up from, you know, 
from hopping out of the van, pouring gas in as fast as I can, running to the start line and starting it and jumping on and barely caught up to you guys, you know, on the way out of there. And I'd made a huge mistake the night before. I thought we were going to leave that campground and turn right. I thought we were going to go up that really steep, you know, like that driveway mm-hmm. cliff thing. Into yeah, it. yeah. And so I thought, man, like my bike is not going to pull that on that 1840 gearing. Like I need to gear down and then like maybe somewhere in a day I'll gear back up. So I had geared to like 1640. Um, expecting to turn right out of there. Why I didn't bother to look on a map and see which way we were leaving that morning and just assume we were going, you know, out the way we'd come in. But uh, we we all made a left and I was like, oh, damn, I'm, I'm geared really slow. And so I was only going like 40 for like the first few miles. And then eventually I was like, this is stupid. So I pulled over and, and, and geared up. But by then everybody had pretty much left me in the dust. I think See You Soon was out there. Like I could see, um, I think Rory was riding that day. And I was like, almost keeping up with them. And then I was like, no, nah, I can't, I can't do this. So I had to like pull over and, and, and gear up, but the, you know, I wasn't really racing anyway. So it's not like I was super stressed out or sad about it. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it felt like a really dumb rookie mistake again, not as bad as the first day, but you know, ah, shit happens, know. dude. You know, yeah. we all make those mistakes. Um, it's a learning process all the way. That was a good day for, I remember that was <laughs> You know, everybody talks about red is like, I don't remember. I remember this was a day where I was like, you got going and I don't know how much you're reading your GPS, but this is some of those days where it was a hundred miles of going straight in one direction. And it was just like, Alexa, turn bedroom light on. No worries, my guy. Um, But I just remember that like seeing on the GPS, 100 miles, it's like straight road. It's like, oh, God damn. Like just, oh, but, um, how, how did you handle that hundred miles of straightness in the <laughs> desert of Oregon? Yeah. Oregon's a desert state. I'm going to call it. Uh, I remember, was that a day where there was like two different routes that you could go or am I? Yes. Am I... There was like kind of, but not really. Like there was a little bit of a Northern route that there were some issues with Google and like blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, but you could have shaved a little time. Did you get, I know see you soon ended up get, I think never DNF or see you soon ended up getting on the Northern route and shaving a little time. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. Cause I remember, I remember the, uh, you know, I had to stop and change my gearing and that doesn't take very long at all. Uh, and then I ran pretty fast after that. And uh, I don't think I stopped anymore. And I really expected to like kind of maybe catch up to somebody. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I was like way off time. And, and someone's like, Hey, did you take like the Southern part here or whatever? And um, so, yeah, but it, it looks like it, everything you'd ever seen in a Western movie, like dances with wolves, it's just like rolling Hills and like little buttes and like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just endless open plains type of stuff. Mm-hmm. There was some cows, which the cows really love moped noises, apparently like, mm-hmm. you know, they, like, they Dude, always stare I at remember, you going by. I remember, I remember seeing all those guys like, just like, Oh yeah, there's some cows. Yeah. But it was just a long, long day, but like, uh, something about moped riding. Like I rode motorcycles a lot and, um, and, and on really long rides on a bike, you, you can get uncomfortable because there's not a whole lot to worry about. You know, you just kind of space out and the miles roll by. And if your butt goes numb or if your hands get tired, like you really feel that, but on a moped, like 
you're really on the razor's edge the whole time. You know, you're full throttle, you're watching your temps, you're listening to every sound. Like if anything changes, um, the tone of things change a little bit. You're like, Oh, what's that? You know, why is, uh -huh. why is this sound a little bit more wah instead of eh? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so you really like just hyper, hyper tuned to all that. And sometimes I would catch myself like so much paying attention to the bike and, and all that, that I wasn't even like enjoying the scenery, but you'd bounce back and forth. But so much more going on when you're racing a moped compared to like riding a, a big bike that uh i didn't find myself getting bored um if anything it was just there was times where i didn't really get to, to to go like zen but there was definitely parts where like uh coming down the mountains like the really steep we're not part, we're, we're not there yet nerve rattle yeah yeah, yeah i know but i'm just i'm gonna jump ahead to like a little piece of like you go really fast it was scary but then like they always had like that part where it's like miles and miles of sort of downhill but not really mm -hmm. and my bike was just so happy like it was running full retard on the on the on the cdi box so like everything's smooth and quiet and you're going fast and it was just like moped perfection you know like it's just yeah, everything was doing exactly what you would want it to do um and so I, and when that's happened it was just like you know riding that wave and, and everything is just golden and I, those are the moments that I really loved the most in the whole race was just ride it out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how'd you, then how did you do getting into, I always screw up the tone in Oregon. Uh, once you got everything kind of dialed back in, um, how'd you do coming into Haynes? Um, the second, the last day. That was Bend. That's where we finished at the Spur place, right? Yeah, there was Haynes and Bend, which were right next to each other, which is also insane for how much their hotels were for nothing town. I I want to say I was doing fine that day. I don't really remember a whole lot. It's, nothing's jumping out to me. I'd had to, I'd have to look at like pictures or something. We'll see what place you got. Um I'm trying to get I think back I to did okay I, on time. I think yeah, I was you'd... really close to chat again. Okay. Uh, that was Portland. I'm trying to see. Looking up. As you can tell, people, all, all the prep work I do for this <laughs> podcast is worth uh, every penny you've paid for. Um, so we got. So the running order for that day. Would have been Urban Decay came in in four hours and fifty two minutes. I came in second with five and a half, five hours and twenty one. Um, see you soon. Uh, Culture never DNF big big holes. He came in in six hours and seven minutes. So it it was another relative considering this is a long day, and mm -hmm. considering like never dnf to it was an hour and a half difference between everybody basically that was a really close day i mean people this was 250 miles on a moped so like and you were actually an hour off about an hour and 10 minutes off of um urban decay and considering you had to stop as much as you did it was pretty rad um so how was that last day like did you have to do much uh prep work for your bike um going into the last day no in fact that's probably something else that i probably should have mentioned about that bike was i uh i live at 4300 feet elevation here in new mexico mm -hmm. i was running an 82 jet 
and I showed up to North Platte with an 82 jet and it seemed happy. So I ran it and I ran an 82 jet across the entire country and over all those mountains until we got to that last day. Mm-hmm. And then I knew that we were going to come down into Portland at sea level. And uh, I was like, I should probably up jet. And, um, and I knew that I could pull a different air filter on there if I needed to go even richer. Mm-hmm. But um, I went up to an 84. And that was pretty much the only real change I did to anything on the bike the whole time besides the gearing uh, that one day. And that would have been a mistake that I could have avoided. So, like, I wouldn't even have had to change gearing. I could have literally run the same gearing and the same jetting the whole race until we got to Portland. Um, but, yeah, I did that, and the bike ran great, I think. Um, even with up jetting a bit, though, coming down the mountain was, like – it was try. I saw, I didn't soft seize, but I could feel it getting tight a lot. There was a ton of blip in the throttle. I rode my brakes like crazy. Um, it was really like disappointing to think like I'm in a moped race and I will break my moped if I go as fast as I can. So I was just riding the brakes, switching between the front brake and the back brake and blipping the throttle, just trying to keep it from getting locked up because you're rolling down that hill, like 55 miles an hour. And I think before the race, Steve had joked around. He's like, can't you just like take the chain off and let it like roll to shut the engine off and just like <laughs> roll down the mountain? And as, if I'd have been a little braver, I probably could have. But honestly, I don't trust moped tires going as fast as they could go down a mountain. So <laughs> that was that was not on the uh, option list for me. But I got passed by Jordan. Like he was running with his blown up missing exhaust and he was flying down the mountain, probably going 70 or who knows what. And just blah. Yeah, that's Jordan for you. Um, I remember <laughs> you, you passing. <laughs> I, I remember you passing me in the kind of the transition from the desert into mountain hood, and I remember mm-hmm. just like being happy for you. Like I had to wait for Colby for a minute because uh, he had to get gas for the vehicle. I was, all, but I mean, dude, you that was really awesome. You had a great day. Um, the one thing I really remember going, and I said this on every recap podcast, uh, I really remember going down. Uh, Mount Hood and seeing all those freaking Sasquatch carving statues. <laughs> uh, what would you think when you rolled into Portland and finally get to the finish line? Wow. So by that point in the day, I was freezing cold. I like to be hot. The desert is a good place for me. And so going over that mountain and down into Portland, uh, I was wearing a jacket and long pants and gloves, but I was shivering on that bike so like it was one of those rides where like i was so happy to be there but like i was ready to be done and then when i got like close to town i didn't i've never been to portland before i didn't Mm -hmm. realize that they have like a stoplight on every block and so jesus christ going on the stoplights it's like it was like red lights to the horizon and i was Mm -hmm. like oh my god and they weren't timed so it's like just go and stop go and stop go and stop and and being the legal eagle i was before and like day two no that was all gone so i was splitting lanes running the lights cutting through inner or like i would cut like through the the gas station parking lots on the side of the intersection and cut through and whatever i had cars almost hit me um Mm -hmm. locking up my brakes it was just lots of nutty stuff but i was like i gotta get there i am done with this and so (laughs) once i finally turned down that last street i was like I got to get off this bike. I hate Portland. <laughs> and it, That's I mean, first person I, I say to say that, that like, for opposite reasons, but yeah, dude, I, yeah, hear yeah. That. no, I mean, I, I love Portland. Um, I hate their traffic lights. Um, <laughs> and that's probably only because, you know, I got there cold and tired at the end of a moped race and they just, you know, too many stops on a bike that doesn't like to stop and go. Yeah, dude. Um, but, but yeah, 
And that was, I mean, that was a good feeling. That was definitely uh, one of those top life experiences um, pulling in there at the finish line. Uh, yeah, dude, it's, uh, it was really rad. And I, I identify with you on that. Um, so let me ask you this. Are you going to do it again next year? Oh, absolutely. In fact, like my, my entire life has sort of turned into this, like I have to fix this at my house and in order to be allowed to do this, to set mm-hmm. this piece in place, to get ready for bakers for next year. Like it's, it's all, you know, the, 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 the plan is like plotting up towards how to, to do that race for next year. That's really what I'm, I'm gearing up towards. I was in college. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna start taking classes again. Like I, I just got to get like everything ready to do bakers dozen. I'm sure people listen to that and be like, wow, man, like maybe you should like get a job, but, <laughs> but no, no. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't even think about that. I got to do some like carpet work in my house and some tile and uh fix their backyard um but but all that's just stuff to get get done and get out of the way so that i could get back to uh prepping a build for next year dude i'm glad you say that because like i'm colby and i are the same way and like i there was some like i don't know maybe it's just me being the eternal optimist but like this and i can't compare it to any other group but this was a special group of people who did it this year because like for the most part, I can say everybody's like, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. Like, I think this was, so, dude, I I jokingly tell people, well, have you ever seen Point Break? And they're like, what? I'm like, everybody's <laughs> kind of like Patrick Swayze at this point. We're all willing to go rob banks so we can go freaking do Baker's Dozen again. <laughs> because like, yeah, dude, every, like I tell people, and like you will never, and I will say this, and other people who've done pinball runs and bakers will understand this. Like there's nothing I've ever done in my life that can even compare to what bakers dozen was like, I, all the pain, all the mental anguish, everything was all worth it. It was so rad. Um, I don't know if you probably can identify with that and you probably want to finish every day and you'll probably be better prepared. Oh, yeah. Cause I know, I know you know, there was a lot of rookies this year. Me being one of them, you being one of them. Um, and just the stuff we learned, dude, it's so, I'm so excited. Yep. Yep. And, uh, I'm, I'm ready to do like a little bit out of my comfort zone for speed too. Like, you know, I built that bike to be super, super, reliable mostly because i couldn't afford the parts to have spares to be redundant with you know in case i broke but uh but yeah for the next year bike i definitely want to be able to maybe time to sell the bmw so you can get more spares so i'm talking with you well (laughs) well, i've I've already i've already kind of thought about selling it i've been using that the race bike as a daily driver on the days i could drive uh to work it's not broken yet and um (laughs) we're like in monsoon season here right now. So there's some days that I had to take the minivan to work. Cause you know, I can't like really drive home when the roads are flooded on a bike. You shouldn't. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's still running great. It's just that, you know, that, that 45 mile an hour bike is not really cutting it as far as competition goes. Like, I think you need to have like a 55 mile an hour bike if you really want to be up there. But the thing about that is, dude, like if you if you even go back and like really look at the times, if you have a bike that will consistently do 45 250 and not break, you'll be in the money every day because like, oh, yeah, Chad broke. I mean, he fixed it every day, but like everybody urban decay would break down 
I mean, especially those last two, three days, if you can have a bike that will make it, dude, 45, 50, that's all you need. Oh, yeah. Um, and I really feel like aerodynamics has a lot to do with the uh, you know, Don't tell the rookies that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kind of accidentally had a bike that, that turned out that way just because the pieces that I got worked out that look like that. Um, but if I did it intentionally, um, I feel like I could probably still have a reliable bike that can go yep. faster because otherwise you're, you're going to have to do it all with tuning. And uh, if you do it all with tuning, like, yeah, you can sit up on a bike that'll go 55, but it's going to be screaming. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't bode <laughs> well for parts. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I know I went through enough of them. Um, <laughs> James, I can't thank you enough for coming on Second Chance Moped Podcast. Um, it's a wonderful uh, chance to be here. I, I Do you have – I think I think we're friends on Instagram. Do you want to show people out so they can follow some of your moped adventures? Like for my stuff? For your Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. For mopeds. Oh, I work I where can people Okay, that's cool. Um yeah. <laughs> I mean people... I have an Instagram and any, yeah. anybody can look me up on it, but I i I seriously have like seven posts. I'm not really oh, good okay. about keeping up with my social media. So Okay. Um and <laughs> later on I'll tell anybody yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh but I'll yeah, get dude. better. Get better someday. at it and get get a bigger footprint on Instagram. I tell you, no, 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 dude, no worries. <laughs> um, I can't thank enough for everybody to keep who keeps listening to the show. Um, don't forget to like, listen, subscribe. Every once in a while, throw me or old Jason out a little note saying you like what we're doing because some days I don't know if the. I think I spend like fifty bucks a month to do this. Believe it or not, folks. Um, I'm kind of kicked around some ideas to monetize some things, even though like it's mopeds weren't broke. Um, yeah, I it will, might be something or two coming to kind of help me lighten the load a little bit, but you know, whatever. Um, I'd again, do it for you. I love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, everybody, thank you so much for listening. James, thank you for coming on second chance moped podcast. And don't forget James mopeds are dumb. See ya. Bye.